You are listening to Press Church Podcast. Please enjoy this week's message. For those who haven't been here over the last couple weeks, two weeks ago we started a new sermon series called Upside Down. We started a new sermon series, we called it Upside Down, and we based it off of a scripture and a story that happened in Acts. Acts chapter 17, I believe, is where we're, where we're sitting. Yeah. And we, we hop into the middle of this story, Acts chapter 17, verse 6. And if we go back and read the beginning of Acts chapter 17, Paul shows up to this town. He goes to a synagogue, and he starts reasoning with the Jews, telling them that Jesus is the Messiah. If you read previous scriptures in Acts chapter 17, all Paul says is that Christ died for your sins, he was buried in a tomb, and he rose again the third day. That simple truth, and all of a sudden, people in the town got angry. And there were some people that were watching Paul. They were taking care of Paul, housing Paul. And we see the story in Acts chapter 17, verse 6. It says, but when they did not find them, Paul and his other disciples, they dragged Jason, who was the person that was uh, housing Paul and his friends, and some brethren to the rulers of the city. And this is what they were crying out. These who have turned the world upside down have come here too. How are these, how is Paul and his disciples turning the world upside down? Simply by one truth of telling people that Christ died for your sins, he was buried in a tomb, and he rose again the third day. And the simple truth of the gospel, according to the world, is that this is turning the world upside down. In verse 7, says, Jason has harbored them, and these are all acting contrary to the decrees of Caesar, saying that there is another king, King Jesus. So we see in this short passage that there is a huge difference between what the world is saying and what Jesus is saying. And that what Jesus is saying, that teaching is contrary to what the world is saying. And it's turning the world upside down. So there are teachings that come against the standard or the common thing that is taught in the world. So I decided to start studying and looking at several things that Jesus taught that are completely contrary to what the world teaches us in our day to day. And so we're standing and believing on this other scripture, Romans chapter 12, verse 2. We've heard this scripture before, that you're not to be conformed to this world. So we're not to be conformed to what the world is teaching, to what the world is saying, but we're to be transformed by the renewing of our mind. So we've got to turn our mind upside down to the teachings that we've heard out there, to the teachings that we are hearing and experience when we read what Jesus has taught us. That you may prove what is good and acceptable and the perfect will of God. So the first week we titled our series, our sermon series of that is that I am a world changer. I will change my world. That is the beginning of our faith declaration throughout this sermon series. I am a world changer because I don't believe what the world believes. I'm going to change the world. And then we bring it down to our own personal declaration. I will change my world. These teachings that we're learning that Jesus has taught us is going to change our worlds. And then these are the six or seven different things that we're going to be highlighting. Last week, we learned that I am a servant. I am a servant. We looked at the world tells us that if you want to succeed in life, you've got to push everybody else down. 
If you want to climb up that ladder of success, you've got to kick everybody else off of that ladder. You've got to grab the person above you on that ladder. You've got to pull them down. People that are trying to climb up behind you, kick them down. And then once you get to the top, you set that whole ladder on fire so nobody else can get there. That's, that's how the corporate world works. But Jesus comes out and says, if you want to be the greatest in the kingdom, you've got to be a servant. And we learned and talked about how to be a servant. It starts with washing people's feet. It's talk, it starts with you waiting on tables. It starts with you trusting in God. You can go back and listen to our podcast. Go check out our Facebook page and watch both of the, the two beginning parts of the sermon series if you missed that. But today, our third part, we're going to talk about I am a giver. I am a giver. As we celebrate Father's Day, when I was a, a boy, when I was a, a child, I never imagined in my wildest dreams that one, a girl would like me, uh, and two, that we would uh, actually stay together and, and start a family, and, and that she'd actually live with me. She probably regrets that now. Um, she's still there. But I had to learn as a child, as a boy, I had to learn how to become a man. Some through hardships, some through watching my father, like we talked about in Proverbs chapter 20, some through studying and paying attention and just living life. I had to learn to become a man. Then I had to learn to become a husband. I remember after we got done with the, the wedding, we drove to the hotel in Charleston, and at the end of the night, we were going to sleep, and Maddie had already fallen asleep, and I remember we were laying in bed, and she was cuddled up on me, and there was this realization, and my eyes bugged out, oh my God, I just got married. Oh my goodness, I'm now responsible for this woman who is laying next to me. All of a sudden, I, I grew up really quick and thought, oh wow. There's, I don't know how to do any of this. I don't know how to be a husband. So I had to learn that. I had to, to learn that process. And then the first time that my baby, my son, was handed to me. Actually, he was in a little cubicle thing, and they were tending to him, and they were prodding him and poking him and making sure he was okay. And I remember leaning over and looking at this creature, this alien-looking being, and just staring at it. And this nurse, she was talking to me, but I wasn't paying attention. I, 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 and finally, I leaned over and looked at her, and she goes, he's yours, you can touch it. <laughs> and I thought, that's a foreign concept. That's... And I remember my first time touching my child was this, and just barely touching his foot. I didn't know. I was like, I don't want to hurt him. I don't want to. I just... And then they place that child in your hands. And then the same realization of, I, I don't know how to be a father. I've got to learn how to be a father. Today we're talking about, I am a giver. And becoming a giver is a lifestyle choice that you have to learn to become. It's something that, that you have to grow into because the world is teaching us something else. The world is teaching us you've got to take everything that you can get out of this world. In order for you to get anything, you have to take. 
have to take from somebody, have to take from somewhere. I've got to take. I've got to get my hands on it. It's what the world is teaching us. It's not in our sinful natures to be givers. Talking about my son, that first couple of minutes, that first couple of hours of him being born. You've, if you've had children, you realize that as well. Babies, the very beginning stage of humanity, are the biggest takers in all of humanity. They do not care if you're tired. Believe me, I'm going through that right now. <laughs> Our seventh-month-old baby does not care that mommy and daddy are tired. She did not care that mommy and daddy had to get up and get ready for church this morning because she wanted to wake up at least, at a minimum, 200 times last night, I believe, is we lost count. Babies in their primitive humanity state are takers. They don't consider your feelings. They don't consider if you're hungry, if you're tired, if you're weary, if you want to break, the basic form of humanity are takers. That's how the world is. What about couponing? Everybody loves a good coupon. Everybody loves the buy one, get one free. Because I want to get as much as I can without having to do anything. I'm not saying couponing's bad. I love buy one, get one free. How many of you, when you get that Chick-fil-A receipt, you go all the way to the bottom instantly to see where I can get that free Chick-fil-A sandwich? Well, if you don't know about that, check your receipt, go all the way to the bottom. <laughs> you can call in, get a code, free Chick-fil-A sandwich. But it's the mentality that we have in humanity. I want to use this coupon, give it to you, and you give me a lot of all of this, and I, I don't have to be accountable or do anything. We talked about this last week. What about the great toilet paper drought of 2020? If that isn't the greatest world interpretation of I'm going to get mine, and I don't care who if there's a natural disaster, if there's calamity in any area, the first thing that people think of is I need my eggs, my water, my milk and bread, and who cares if anybody else needs it? I don't even like wheat bread, but I'm going to take that too. I'm just showing you what the world thinks. This is the world's mentality that's out there. This is the current idea that's out there, that we are naturally in our sin nature designed, not by God, but with the sin nature inside of us, to be takers. We want to take things from people. Taking things from people and places was such a big deal that God had to highlight it in his top 10 rules and laws to not break. Thou shalt not steal. He designed at a very early age in history, he realized that humanity liked to take. The, the very first crime that is committed, the very first sin that is committed, is man takes a piece of fruit from God. I want that. It looks better 
than everything else that's around, I'm going to take it. I don't want any, I don't want to do anything else, I want to take that. Then the second crime, the second sin that happens is the taking of a life. You're experiencing something. Cain saw Abel having a closer relationship with God, saw him experiencing something that he wanted, and said, I'm going to take that from you. And God says, if you can just give the same thing that Abel's giving, I will have that same relationship with you. He said, no, no, no. Somebody's got to bleed for this. So God, as he creates the Ten Commandments, he's got to put on there, thou shalt not steal. Do not take things from people. As simple and as plain as possible. And then the last of the Ten Commandments says, thou shalt not covet. Because covetousness leads to stealing. Because I want that, I'm going to go and take that. And now as humanity has grown, the world had to come together and establish actual laws and punishments because people keep on taking things. Larceny and theft is defined as completed or attempt theft of property or cash without personal contact. No violence that happens. I see this water, it's not mine, I'm thirsty, I need it. Nobody got hurt in it, I just took it because I wanted it. In 2018, the FBI released these statistics that there was an estimated 5,217,055 larceny and thefts nationwide. And in 2018... Over 5 million people saw something that somebody else had, said, I don't want to work for it, I don't want to buy it, I want it, I'm coveting it, therefore I'm going to go and steal it. Now the good thing is, the number of larceny thefts have declined 5.4% when compared with 2017 estimates. Hooray! We're down 5.4% with 5 million Thefts alone. We are set up and designed in our sinful nature to be takers. That is what the world says and teaches out there. But there's hope. It would be a very, very sad message if I ended it with that. There's hope today because what Jesus is teaching us is how to be givers. Jesus, his upside-down teaching to us is in order to receive, you have to give. That's completely different than what the world is teaching us. In order to receive, you first have to give. Let's look at what Jesus taught us about giving. In Matthew chapter 6, verses 1 through 4, Matthew chapter 6, verses 1 through 4, Jesus is speaking, and he says, take heed that you do not do your charitable deeds, you do not do your giving before men to be seen by them. Otherwise, you have no reward from your Father in heaven. Verse 2, therefore, when you do a charitable deed, when you do giving, do not sound a trumpet, 
before you, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may have glory from men. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. Verse 3, but when you do a charitable deed, when you do give, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. Verse 4, that your charitable deed may be in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will himself reward you openly. Here we see Jesus teaching us that when you give, there is a blessing, there is a receiving that will happen, that will come your way. He is teaching that when we give, when we become givers, when we walk in this lifestyle of giving, we don't bring attention to it. We don't highlight it. We don't post on social media as we're handing the cracker to the homeless person. That we walk and we operate in giving as a lifestyle to where I'm looking for opportunities to give. It's not just this one-time thing that I'm doing on Sunday. It's not just this one-time thing that I do once a year. It's that everywhere I go, I have this mentality of I am not a taker. I'm going to be like Jesus and be a giver. In Genesis chapter 1, going all the way back to the beginning. This is God speaking to Adam and Eve. And God said, See, I have given you every herb that yields seed, which is on the face of all the earth, and every tree whose fruit yields seed, to you it shall be for food. Verse 30. Also to every beast of the earth, to every bird of the air, and to everything that creeps on the earth, in which there is life, I have given every green herb for food, and it was so. Verse 31 says, And God saw everything that he made, and indeed it was very good. So the evening and the morning were the sixth day. At the very beginning of time, we see God being a giver and being an abundant giver. Because if I was God and I created mankind, I'm going to give them potentially an apple tree. And I'm going to say, you take care of that apple tree, you eat that apple tree for, I don't know, a couple hundred years because I made you, uh, and then we'll revisit to see if you get an orange tree. If you do good and you take care of the earth, maybe I'll give you a, a watermelon plant. Maybe we'll, we'll, we'll throw in some peanuts or something along those lines. But God, at the very beginning, says, I've given you every tree every seed-bearing plant for you to eat. And then on top of that, I've also taken care of food for the animals, the birds, and the fish in the sea. Already taken care of that too. That we see that God is this giver and this abundant giver, that he's willing and able to give over and above and beyond to his people. He is not trying to withhold his hand from you. And so as we draw close to God, it says he will draw close to you. And as we see his giving nature, that giving nature intertwines with our nature as we too become givers in our lives. 
So we see that the world is teaching, if you want to get anything in life, you've got to take it all. Jesus comes with his upside-down teaching and says, if you want to receive anything, first be a giver. Now let's look at three ways, and then I'll land the plane, on how to become a giver. Number one, we've got to learn to love. If you want to become a giver like Jesus, you've got to learn to love. John 3.16, the most famous verse in the entire world that everyone knows. And it starts off with, for God so loved, what did he do? He gave. For God so loved the world, any and everybody, wasn't held to a distinct group of people. It was with the Jewish people. It was in the Old Covenant. But because God so loved the world, He opened up His love to all of us. The Scripture says His mercies are new every morning. The favor of God is on you wherever you go. That He so loved the world that He gave not his runt-of-the-litter child. He didn't have five or ten sons that were all strong and muscular and skinny old nerdy Jesus was at the end of the line and he's like, who am I going to send to save the world? Ah, Jesus, you go. The rest of the men, we're going to stay up here and hang out. No, no, he gives his best gift, his one and only gift. And that one and only gift volunteered himself. I'll go send me. He was the lamb that was slain before the foundations of the world. For God so loved that he gave. That Jesus so loved that he gave. The Holy Spirit so loved that he gave. You have to learn to love being a giver. To help bless those in need. We see throughout the scriptures that Jesus loved and gave his time. He gave his blessing. He gave his healing. He gave his access. And who did he give his life to? He gave his love to criminals. He gave his love to tax collectors. He gave his love to thieves. He gave his love to Roman centurions. He gave his love to prostitutes. He gave his love to family members. He gave his love to friends. He gave his love to fishermen. He did not withhold his love from anyone. And just like we see him talking in that previous scripture in Matthew where he says, everything that you do when you give, give in private. Don't bring glory to yourself. Because when you walk and operate in this lifestyle of giving, God will be the one who honors you. God will be the one who promotes. If you read early on in the scriptures, every time Jesus heals someone or encounters someone and changes their life, he says, don't tell anyone. Please don't tell anyone. But you all know when God's been good to you, you can't help but share and tell somebody what God's done for you, that he saved me, that he raised me, that he took care of me, that he loved me, that he pulled me out of the miry clay, that he changed my heart, that they have to go out and tell people. Because of that, he had to hide some more. He, he couldn't stay in the city. But we don't see Jesus boasting about... We don't see later on in the Scriptures where Jesus is like, hey, I turned water into wine. I'm pretty cool, huh? 
have raised the dead. Jesus encounters people and has that one-on-one interaction. He doesn't hype up who he is. He just loves them for where they're at in that moment. We've got to learn to be a lover like Jesus if we're going to operate upside down in being a giver. Number two, we've got to learn to be cheerful. We've got to learn to be cheerful if we're going to be givers. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 7. So let each one give as he purposes in his heart, not grudgingly or of necessity. For God loves, there's that word love again. If you want to know that God loves you, you're questioning if God loves you, become a giver. Because it says God loves a cheerful giver. In verse 8, and God is able. And why is, does God love a cheerful giver? Because he knows that when someone gives, he has the opportunity to bless that person. As soon as God sees someone giving, he says, all right, here we go. Because God is able to make all grace abound toward you. That you, always having all sufficiency in all things, may have an abundance for every good work. Because when you give and you sow seed, God gets excited because it's his opportunity to give and sow seed back into you. We've got to learn to be a cheerful giver. That word cheerful is hilarious in the Greek. It means to be cheerful. It means to be joyous. And it means prompt to do anything. When you become a giver, when you learn to be a giver, and you do it cheerfully, it means you're prompted to do anything. When God speaks to you and tells you to give something, to bless someone, to do something, that we don't do it grudgingly, that we don't complain about it, that we don't, that we are ready. Look at how Jesus gave. As soon as he encountered someone, he blessed them. As soon as he encountered someone who was sick, he instantly gave healing. As soon as he encountered the dead, he instantly gave life. That it's a lifestyle choice that we be a servant like Jesus, we be a giver. That he was cheerful every time he encountered someone. He was looking for opportunities. He wasn't looking for opportunities to hoard. He was looking for opportunities to give. To bless someone. We've got to learn to be Cheerful. When you've learned, when God speaks and challenges you to give to whoever and whatever, you see it as a joyful opportunity to be used by God. Learning to be a giver is understanding that any time or in any place to anyone, God could prompt you to give anything. And that you have to learn to be cheerful and not see it as a loss. And the last step to becoming a giver is learn to look for the blessing. Learn to love, learn to be cheerful, and learn to look for the blessing. Acts chapter 20, verse 35, Paul is speaking here. He says, I have shown you in every way by laboring like this that you must support the weak. And remember the words of our Lord Jesus Christ that he says, it is more blessed to give than to receive. Complete upside down teaching right there. 
I like to receive things. That's why we love Christmas. That's why we love our birthdays. Bring me something. Give me something. I want to open a present. And Jesus says that you're more blessed when you learn to be a giver. And why are you more blessed when you learn to be a giver? Because we see in Matthew Jesus saying that as soon as you give, the Lord is willing and ready to reward you openly. You must understand that there is a blessing available to you for your giving just as much or potentially more than what you gave away. When you sow seeds or give, you should be looking for the harvest and the blessing. Now as I finish, as I end this, I want to highlight and tell you that not once during this sermon did I discuss money, did I discuss giving as tithing or giving to the local church. I did it on purpose. Now if you interpreted that when I talked about giving through this whole thing as only pertaining to money, then we've got some learning to do. Because giving is so far outside of just this church. Giving is so far outside of just throwing money in a bucket. The lifestyle of giving is being moved by the Spirit that as you walk through life, God is going to highlight people and say, bless them with that. Tell them this. Do this, that. And as you move and as you're being led by Him, you'll see the blessing go in your life. It's not about money. Yes, it's a part of giving. This church, we give. We believe in giving. We do our best that as you bring finances into the church, yes, we have to pay the bills to keep the lights on. Yes, we have salaries and and people that, that work here that we take care of. But we want to sow back into the church. We can do these Mother's and Father's Day things. We can do these young adults events. We can, we can reach out to the community and figure out how to help them financially or just with a mass group of people going and doing things. We give a tenth of everything that comes in throughout the month to six different organizations, six different ministries. This month, or I guess the end of last month, we gave over $400 to Christ Central. It's a a ministry in the surrounding areas that does food pantry, that that helps people get jobs, that does uh, Bible schools, that does all this ministry. We support DIG. We've had the, the owner, Stephen Brown, come here several times. We support him. We support local churches. Believe me, I'm putting... My money where my mouth is and telling you that we give. We give when there's opportunities. But I want to tell you and remind you that you aren't this community's bank. You aren't the world's bank. I had a guy when we were in Dallas, he told me once, he said, man, I can't wait till I become a millionaire and make all this money. I'm going to start giving and I'm going to start paying people's bills and I'm going to buy them cars and I'm going to take care of them. I said, man, that's a great idea. I said, but what are you giving now? He said, well, I don't have the money, I, you know, we're trying, to, we're, I said, no, no, no. It starts with the seeds that you're planting now in your life, the giving that you're doing now that God can bless you as you grow in life. So I want to encourage you, be a giver, be a giver. 
study and see how he's challenged us in this upside-down thinking that it's better and more blessed to give than receive. Amen? Let's stand up today, and before we leave, we're going to make our faith declaration for this sermon series. Next week, we are going to be talking about, what did I have it listed as? I am a lover. I am a lover. Next week, we are going to talk about Jesus says, love your enemies. The world tells us, hate your enemies. Hate anyone who's different than you. Hate, hate, hate. Now more than ever is this world surrounded with hate. But not us, not Press Church. We are going to learn the upside down teaching that Jesus brings with a simple statement of love your enemies enemies. That's going to be next week. But let's say all of our faith statements together. We're going to start on the left side and then finish on the right side. Three, two, one. I am a world changer. I will change my world. I am a servant. I am a giver. I am a lover. I am a child. I am a believer. I am a receiver. I will change my world. I am a world changer. Father, we thank you today for this room full of world changers. I thank you that this sermon series, this teaching, this upside down teaching that you're bringing us out of the world's thinking and we're renewing our mind over the next couple weeks to the teachings that you have instilled all the way back when you were here on earth. So Father, help us plow our hearts, prepare our hearts that we decide that we are going to be world changers. And through this sermon series, we are going to change our world that we might have these mindsets that the world has taught us throughout this life, that, that in life we have pushed other people down so that we can succeed. But God, today I choose to be a servant. Maybe I find myself during this sermon hearing and thinking of some situations where I've taken from people I've gone out there and I've coveted some things, I've stole some things, I've taken things from from people, but not anymore. Today I am a giver in the name of Jesus. Father, I thank you for these people. I thank you that by Jesus' stripes, their body is healed in the name of Jesus. We pray protection over them. Those who are watching online, those who are here now, it doesn't matter if the numbers are rising in the news. We say that as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. And that when we serve the Lord, there is a blessing that comes with that. And that includes healing. That includes restoration. That includes Psalm 91 protection. That no evil shall befall me in my household. No evil shall befall my church or our congregation in the name of Jesus. He that the Son sets free is free indeed in this virus or no sickness or disease will enter or infiltrate this church or this community because at the name of Jesus, Corona must bow its knee in the name of Jesus. Father, I thank you that these people are blessed. They're the head and not the tail. They're above and not beneath. They're blessed and everything they put their hands to, it must prosper. I thank you that they are the salt and light of the earth. They will go out and they will look for opportunities to give, knowing that they can be a blessing and knowing that according to Abraham, they are blessed in the name of Jesus. Father, I thank you again for the fathers that are here. 
fathers, stepfathers, those who have lost fathers, those who are spiritual fathers, the whole gambit of fathers that are out there. Father, bless them today, and thank you that we can lean into you as our Abba Father. Be with everyone, protect them, keep them safe, and bring them back safely next Sunday. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. We love you. Happy Father's Day. We will see you next Sunday. I am a lover. Thank you for listening to Press Church Podcast. If you would like more information about us or are interested in giving to our ministry, you can click the link in our bio or visit presschurch.org. Don't forget to follow us on social media at Press Church SC and have a great week.